This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Did you know that most mergers and acquisitions actually fail to the tune of maybe 50% at the conservative level, all the way as high as 90%? That's a huge failure rate when we really think about companies merging or acquiring other businesses. Now, there's a reason to do mergers and acquisitions, and there's also a reason why they fail. First, let's talk a little bit about why companies even pursue them. Companies are pursuing mergers and acquisitions because they are wanting to grow in their ability to provide some service or to offer some new products or perhaps to get a new customer base. The bottom line is that by merging with another organization or acquiring another organization, they believe that they will increase their profitability. That's the reason for it. And that can be a good reason for a merger and acquisition. Now, it's very similar to pursuing a marriage. If you think about marriage statistics, probably about half of marriages also fail. And yet people are continuing to get married, at least in some sectors, people are continuing to get married. And the reason is because, again, there's the perception that we will be better together than we would be if we were just on our own. So we understand there can be great reasons, and yet something gets in the way and causes problems. So there are three pieces that I want to talk about. One is that first, doing the due diligence and running the business case to see if the merger or acquisition makes sense. Number two is positioning that merger and acquisition in your organization. And number three is doing the cultural integration. So I'm going to go back and talk about each of those and what generally happens. A lot of organizations are pretty good at number one, which is doing the due diligence, running the business case, assessing the numbers, bringing in outside consultants to really help to see, is this really a good investment for our organization? Will it be profitable for us from a numbers point of view? Does it make sense? For example, you might be a company that is a beverage making company. And while you were small, it might have made more sense to really have your bottling companies as partners on the outside. Now that you've become very large, it may be very difficult to get the level of support that you need having all of those bottlers on the outside. So it might make more sense to acquire them and therefore you have that inside resource to now bottle the beverages that you're producing. So that could be a good reason to possibly bring in the bottling organization And by bringing them in-house, not only would you save in efficiency and economies of scale, that way you also might save on the cost to actually pay that outside service 
to do it. So that could be an example of a good reason. So I find that a lot of times companies will do their work in the number one category because that's very business oriented. It's the nuts and bolts. It's the, the hardcore stats. And that's how a lot of organizations are wired to think about that part. Number two, which is about positioning the merger and acquisition, is really being able to put out there in the organization the reason for this change, the why, the purpose, and being able to articulate what the perceived benefits are going to be and how you will leverage the best of both organizations and how you envision that this new combined organization is actually going to work. So it's a lot about communicating, if you will, that bigger picture and vision. And I think a lot of times those who sit in boardrooms to create these ideas, because they have to spend so much time on the front end doing it quietly and secretly, they forget that other people have not been in those boardrooms. They don't know the conversations that have happened. So when this gets rolled out, They have to almost start over and go from soup to nuts about explaining why. And frequently, organizations give the Cliff Notes version and people in the organizations don't understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, how it makes sense, and the with them, what's in it for me kind of aspect is often left out. So the positioning of the merger and acquisition is is a pain point where that's where companies start to not quite get it right. The third piece is even the most dramatic, which is about the cultural integration. If you're bringing different organizations together, they likely have different cultures. And a lot of times, this isn't always true, but frequently the acquiring organization is a bigger entity and they may be acquiring startup organizations, entrepreneurial organizations, and those companies have created cultures that are flexible and that are innovative and where people feel inspired every day and coming to work. And they've been very involved in in co-creating the work that's being done. And as they're brought into this larger entity, it's often a lot more bureaucratic And they may not have signed up for being in a bureaucracy. It can be difficult to turn something around. You can't just move as nimbly or as quickly as you can in the entrepreneurial organization. So you have to think about, will these cultures merge well? And how will we merge them together? And what of the acquired organization do we want to keep? So for example, I remember when United Airlines was merging with Continental Airlines. It was actually more of an acquisition, if you will, Continental coming under the umbrella of United ultimately. And one of the opportunities that I saw on the front end was that Continental had an excellent customer service approach and record. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if one of the benefits of this relationship is that United actually takes on the customer service values of Continental. I also really liked the way that Continental did their airline clubs, which had a lot more of what I would call an executive feel to them. And I thought that would be maybe something to retain. 
Now, in actuality, United being a much huger umbrella kind of an organization, in this acquisition or merger or whatever you want to call it, everything that really Continental stood for, in my mind, got lost. And I had the opportunity during that time when they were overlapping but separate companies to fly on Continental, to fly on United, and to see the difference. And now that it's all United, it's really the original culture of United and the vestiges of Continental are gone. And to me, that's an interesting loss because in an acquisition like that, that was one of the strengths of the company being acquired. Why not retain that? So a lot of times organizations don't think about what's the best and who we're merging with or who we're acquiring and how can we retain that for maximum benefit. So it's not just about getting larger, having more numbers, having more clout, so to speak, that way. Also think about what you're acquiring in terms of cultural benefits that you are willing to be influenced by and to be different. And when companies don't do this well, they actually end up losing a lot of really good people because those people were there for the culture that they loved and enjoyed and helped to create. And so when you get rid of that culture, there's no longer a reason for them to stay. And then if they leave, you're not benefiting from their presence. So this is what I see. It's in the positioning and the cultural integration that most organizations tend not to allow enough time or enough processes for the integration to happen and to stick. And that's what causes the bulk of the failures and mergers and acquisitions. So it's not the numbers, it's not the due diligence part, it's the leadership part, and it's the people part. So if you have recently gone through a merger or acquisition, or you're thinking about going through one, let's get together and let's figure out the best way to walk through it. Even if you're in the middle of it, there are still some things you can do to make that merger and acquisition more viable and to minimize the likelihood that you'll end up as one of those marriage statistics that got divorced and didn't work out too well. And the bottom line I want to leave you with is this. People make the difference and people perform well because of the culture. So let's take time and take a look at that. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.